Coming up next is another wonderful friend of the show and been a great supporter of this show going all the way back to season number one and another one of the top 100 instructors in our game, and that's Eric Johnson. Before I get to Eric, I want to remind you about Two Under, men's performance wear. They're the unofficial underwear of the PGA and the 2020 Ryder Cup team. Ricky Fowler is their global ambassador, and over 50 other PGA, Corn Ferry, and Champions Tour players wear them. Just to mention a few, like David Toms, Jerry Kelly, Justin Thomas, William McGirt, Scott McCarron, and Chris DeMarco. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort from the tee box to the boardroom to the bedroom. Use code NEXT20 to save 20% off your order at 2under.com. That's the number 2-U-N-D-R.com. 2-under, performance in your pants. And you walk a lot of miles in life and on the course, so make sure you're walking in the right shoes. Scone changes the game with an affordable line of the most comfortable, versatile, slip-on golf shoes that can be worn anywhere. They're made with breathable microfiber fabric, spikeless treads, and an adjustable lace lock. And they're easy to clean, too, so spend less time changing shoes and more time living in them. Visit scone.com and use code NXTONT20, so next on T20, at checkout for 20% off. That's scone.com, S-K-O-N-I.com. They're also available at golf specialty retailers and green grass pro shops nationwide. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. It's all in the hips. Just tap it in. Yes! Find the latest clubs and apparel at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. All right, now back in next on the tee, and this guy is making his 17th appearance with me here on the show. And he is not only one of the top 100 instructors in the game, but another one of my all-time favorite people on the planet, and that is Eric Johnson. Eric has obviously been a great friend of the show for a very long time, going all the way back to the very first season of the show, really on just, I think he was on episode number three all-time back in 2014. No one makes a segment more fun than Eric does. And let me remind you about his background. He played his college golf and was a four-year letterman at Mississippi State from 1992 to 95. He helped them win back-to-back Kroger intercollegiate titles in 94 and 95. Golf Magazine has named Eric a top 100 instructor every year since 2011. He was also recognized by Golf Digest as a top 40 under 40 instructor. He's a three-time Tri-State Section PGA Teacher of the Year. He's also a four-time Horton Smith Award winner for his contributions to education. Eric played out on the Canadian Tour, the Sunshine Tour, and the Golden Bear Tour. He was the Director of Instruction for many years at Oakmont Country Club. He is now the Director of Instruction at Yellowstone Club in Big Sky, Montana. And I'm excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, how are you, my friend? Chris, my man. How you doing, brother? I'm good. How are you, E? Oh, I couldn't be better. I'm Sitting here in beautiful Bozeman, Montana. I got my black Stetson cowboy hat on. So <laughs> when I wear this thing, all hell breaks loose. So no, no, you never know what's going to come out now. <laughs> no doubt. That is, it's so I... good to talk to you, man. It's so good to talk to you. Thanks. And I, I've said this a million times. Everyone's trying to copy me now, but you're the most prepared man and host in, in, in anything I. I, I listen to that introduction. I start blushing, and I'm like, you know, my I've got black hat on, red face. So thank you for that introduction. <laughs> Absolutely, my friend. 
So, Eric, one of the themes of this week's show is I'm getting everyone's thought on what's going on between the PGA Tour and Live Golf, whether you call it a partnership or merger, whatever. What did you think? How did you feel when you first heard the news? Well, Chris, uh, it's such a great question. I mean, we still don't even know. We have no, nobody has any idea what happened here, but um, I'm going to say that my member, Phil Mickelson, here at the Yellowstone Club is the smartest man in the room, and he uh, was correct. Um, the tour is holding back. They're holding back when they, 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 you know, they, first of all, they said, well, we don't have money. We can't do it. And all of a sudden, oh, here's $250 million. So where did it come from? So it's kind of like the fundamental question I have with the PGA of America and so many other organizations. Where is this money going? Like, where's the Ryder Cup money going? Where is it all going? So, um, you know, Phil was correct. I think he's the smartest man in the room. I think what has happened here, if I was Rory McIlroy, if I was John Rum, heck, they wanted to give, you know, Tiger $750 million, drive around on a card. Um, you know, if I was Will Zalatoris with a bad back issue, I would have taken the money. So, um, it's a really hard question. I, I don't even think we know, uh, Chris, I, I, you know, who knows where this is all going to go, but it's a quagmire. I love Rob's answer. The 500 Christmas lights thrown in a box up in the <laughs> attic. You know I mean? It's kind of what it is. I mean, we really don't know. I mean, we know that's a, a, a mess. So what is this? I, I, who knows if I were, if I were some of the guys on tour that were offered that big money and I hate to say it, you know, uh, Rory was the, like almost a puppet for the tour. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. Um, you know, I'd be pretty upset right now. And, uh, Jay Monahan, I think he's, I think he's in the wrong. You, you didn't tell your players what you were going to do. And now all of a sudden, Hey, here you go. This is our new deal, and it's going to be great for golf. And and I've I've said this in the past. Um, I'm not sure that any fan that watches the tour cares how much they make. You know, Taylor Gooch made four million bucks again the other day. All right, great on the list. That's his third win. Um, I don't think anyone cares. If you win the U.S. Open, do you really think um, as a fan you care what he? They, the player won or the girl won. I don't think you do, but, but for some reason now as a player, when I was playing, I knew I wanted to win money. So it, it might make a difference to the, to the player, but certainly not, you know, for the fan, you win the U S open, you win the masters. I don't think anyone cares other than the tour player that's cashing the check. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah. So, and I'm with you. I, I've never really cared how much the player wins. I mean, I, I'm not sure that I, I could I could quote you how much, you know, guys win for winning the U.S. Open or the Masters or that sort of thing. It's more about the prestige of the tournament than it is about the exactly. size of the paycheck. I mean, I'm sure they care about the size of the paycheck, but yeah, that's not that's not the first thing I'm going to look at uh, the next day uh, following a win to see how much the guy or girl won. Um, exactly. Give me, give me your thoughts, Eric, because the other thing that we've been talking about tonight is, you know, there's this thing about whether the live players, you know, should be able to come back to the PGA tour. And if they come back to the PGA tour, are they going to be suspended? Are they going to have to pay a fine? 
And what you know, I've been saying is they're going to pay a fine for what? For doing what <laughs> the PGA Tour just did? How are you going to find those guys? How are you going to suspend those guys for doing what Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour, however you want to look at it, for doing the exact same thing you just did, which is take the money from the Saudis? I don't know how you find or suspend those guys. <laughs> That's such a great point. There's no way. You know, uh, I was having a conversation with someone and uh, they said, I bet you that Jay has $200 million in crypto somewhere around the world. And I went, oh, my God, that's a great point. Uh, you know, I mean, we don't know what he's being paid. We don't know what he's, you know, you never hear about fines. You never hear about any of this money. So who knows what Jay agreed to? You know, does he just have it so bad for Greg Norman? He's going to take this deal. And, you know, who knows? Um it's, 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 it, it, it is crazy. And I will say it again, Phil's the smartest man in the room. They <laughs> took the money and, and they should, I mean, come on. Uh, you know, it, it, this is so funny. I, it, I worked with Cam Smith years and years ago, years ago, his agent is buddy Martin. who's a member at Oakmont and he brought him over and he said, what do you think? Can you work with him? I said, yeah. We're, and we worked together and, and I watched this kid and he shot 71 from the tips at Oakmont the first day and we worked again the next day, next day he shoots 65. I had nothing to do with it. He was so good. I just said, that's really good. That's really good. <laughs> you know, I, mean? <laughs> I really, I was like, wow, you put it better than anyone I've ever seen. So buddy goes, what do you think? I said, get that kid to a tour event as fast as you can. Now. So he takes what? 150 million. Now John Rom says that's not generational wealth. What are you talking about, John? Like $150 million? You, you, you said generational wealth. These people are crazy for not taking the money. Now, they say, well, they, can they welcome them back? Well, Brooks Kepka is two on the Ryder Cup list, and he's only played two events. And they say, <laughs> well, we got the best players. You don't have the best players. You have loyal players, but you don't have the best. Rory is in a slump. He can't win. Ricky Fowler, look at what he's done. He went from like 1,700 in the world. Now he's back up to, you know, Ryder Cup talk. I mean, that's what we should be talking about, not live. I mean, Ricky is the Arnold Palmer of today. I was so lucky, Chris, to get to know Mr. Palmer a little bit at Oakmont. And I taught his grandson, Will. I didn't ever teach Sam, but, you know, I mean, I was in the Kingdom magazine. I've done all this stuff for Mr. Palmer. I played in the Palmer Cup matches with him. And, you know, to, to, to play with your idol, is it's amazing. And Ricky Fowler is kind of that guy. He stands around. He signs autographs. He talks to people. He's like, um, uh, I hate to say it, but like the Kardashian of the tour. Like, he's the guy that everyone wants <laughs> to see, you know. And he, he He's that popular. And, uh, um you know, that's what we should be talking about. These crazy deals, we don't know. No one knows what happens. And people say, welcome them back. You're 100% correct. We don't know what the, even the contract is. Now, Jay's hiding somewhere, and he should be, because if I was a tour guy, I would be so mad. If I turned down 200, 300 million, if I was a Hideki or a Rom or a, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ricky, you know, I mean, uh, Rory, I mean, I would be so upset, especially because Ricky, or excuse me, um, um, 
they, they've been talking points for the tour. Right. Um, Rory, Rory, especially, you know, I mean, he's, Oh, this is terrible. Tom Watson eviscerated Jay in that letter. And I thought it was spot on. And Tiger kind of was like, yeah, I don't know about this either. <laughs> you know, so, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot to figure out on this one. And I don't even think the tour guys know, but it's so hit. It's so hypocritical to say, you can't take this money. Oh, we're going to take this money. And now it's going to be great for the game. And right. this has never been about the growth of the game. I'm sorry. No, USGA. I hate to get on the soapbox. USGA gets on this thing. We're for the growth of the game. All right. You you have a yipper that 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 puts the putter into their chest, and and they say, well, that makes it too easy. All right. And then you say, well, uh, the sandwich spins too much, so we're going to take away your screw grooves. All right. Well, the <laughs> average player can't understand this and it can't grasp it. And you say, well, we're going to roll back the ball. All right. The average player can't hit it 200 yards. So. If you if the USGA is honest about saying we want to grow the game, then let a yipper stick it in their chest and 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 putt it because I want that player to play golf. I don't want them going. You know what? I yip my putts so I can't. I I, I don't want to play. And and we, we've gone back and forth on this a little bit. And you know, it a, a, a handicapped player needs some spin, so give them square grooves. And you do whatever you want as a tour guy. What, what, this kid hit a 345-yard hole in one the other day. Right. Unbelievable. Great. Phenomenal. Pull it out. I don't care. But I saw the Belfry. They, they moved 10 to like 261 yards or something. Now, back when Seve hit it in the Ryder Cup, it was 301. So, you know, there's a little hypocrisy going on here. Like, you want to grow the game, but you're taking away – the ability for the average player to play the game. And, and, and that's where I have a problem. Do whatever you want as a tour guide. Now, the other point to this is, listen, I don't know a guy in the NBA that can't dunk the ball, right? I mean, like, they all can dunk it. But they don't say, you know what? We need to raise the hoop to 14 feet. They are not <laughs> saying that. Right. So why are, we doing, why are we doing this to golf? Who cares what they shoot? When Rory, someone said, oh, Rory, the, the course is, is, they shot 23 under. It's obsolete. Hell, I think Ernie Els has it at 30 or 32 under. I mean, the courses aren't obsolete. Play better. Make putts. That's what it comes down to. And when you make putts and you hit it far, you're going to win. So to take away the, the amateur's ability to play the game, I don't think it's correct. And I've said that for a long time, and I don't, I don't quite like the USGA stance. You know, I mean, you can pull back the ball, you can do whatever, but don't hurt the amateur. The amateur player is the one that is your – there's 30 million of them, and there's, what, 150 PGA Tour players? So, right. come on, don't, don't, don't hurt the 30 million. If you want to make it more challenging for the 150 guys, go ahead, and girls – don't hurt the amateurs. That's that's all my point is on that. Let's change gears a little bit, Eric. And on a more positive note, you mentioned Ricky Fowler. He's essentially come back from the dead. I mean, he's hasn't been really a factor in the game for a few years now, but he started to play really well a few weeks ago. 
obviously won last Sunday at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, and he did it in grand fashion by birdieing the last hole to get into the playoff with Adam Hadwin and Colin Morikawa and then won it with a birdie on the first playoff hole. What are your thoughts about his journey back to the winner's circle? You know, we, we, we all go through it and, um, well, we don't all go through it, but most players do. And you have a time where you need hope (laughs) and, and he found it and he, you know, he's working with a different instructor, went back to Butch. They got the plane fixed. Um, it's unbelievable. I I can't, I, I watched him at the master's. Uh, a couple of years ago, and he signed every autograph, like, you know, all the guys from the par three contest, race Floyd walked by, hey, 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 on a cart, gone. He signed five autographs, you know? I mean, people want to see race Floyd. And, and Ricky was out there for hours. He was literally my hero, Arnold Palmer's, uh, like, kind of second coming. He's the second coming of Arnold, and he connects with the fans. And it's so great to see it. And, you know, I've gone through things in my career where I was at the bottom and I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to get out. And, you know, you whittle your way back, but the way he's done it and the way he's played has been phenomenal. Um, his record kind of stands like you, if I was a captain of the Ryder Cup, I'd want him on my team. Now, for a couple reasons, not only his play, but for everything else that he brings to the Ryder Cup. If I was a Ryder Cup captain, I'd be picking Ricky Fowler right now. And it would not be criticized ever. Unless, you know, Ricky Fowler kicked some guy's dog and, you know, when he was four. <laughs> You're going to want that guy in the Ryder Cup. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I would pick him. And, and he might be close enough on points. I haven't seen it uh, recently, but... Uh, but I'd want him on the Ryder Cup. Yeah, he's 12. Yeah, I'd want him. So, yeah, let's take that a step take further. Taking taking Ricky, like I say, he's 12th in the Ryder Cup point standings right now. And goodness knows, he, we, there are still a handful of events left to be played. So he could still get into the top six where he would be an automatic pick. And you're saying you take him as a coach's pick. What about a guy like Justin Thomas? Justin is 13th right now. And we know what a great pairing he and Jordan Spieth have been. If you're captain still and you're looking at who you're going to pick for that team, is Justin Thomas a guy you also have to have on that team? You know, Chris, that's a great question. There's, there's, there's horses for courses. And you've heard that expression before. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a pressure player, but he is in really poor form. And no one's going to argue that. I mean, he's, he's not even going to argue that. What he did the open was uh, was really surprising. I mean, you know, it, it, he's not in good form. So when you have a guy like Ricky that's had all these top tens, all these top fifteens, playing great, wins, I take him. It's a very hard answer, but I would say at the moment, I'd say no. And you know, we want to bring Brooks Kepka into the game. Yeah, the guy was second standings. I mean, if if you're if you're a live guy and you're a Ryder Cup guy, and you're gonna say, well, Sergio's out and Polder's out and Westwood's out and all these guys, well, they keep saying they're all out. But then Rory came back and said, 
Well, I think Brooks would be good on the runner. And you go, now, wait a second. You're, you're throwing all your European guys <laughs> out. But you're saying Brooks was a good pick. And you know what? He is. And if you're talking about the greatest players, then Brooks Kepka has to be in there. And, and again, I, I'm not going to get into the semantics of this, but Brooks Kepka is one of the best players in the world. Um, he might not have been loyal to the PGA Tour, but he's one of the best players in the world. And if you want the best players, and if they're going to say this, this catchphrase, oh, we got the best players in the world. Well, no, you really don't. You have Phil Mickelson that won a major. You've got Phil that took second at the Masters. You've got DeChambeau, as crazy as that kid is. He's a heck of a player. We haven't seen much since the body transformation, and we're going to chase speed. Now we're going to the live. Like, who knows what's going on with that kid? But um, if I was a Ryder Cupper, Dustin Johnson's played pretty darn good. You know, if you, you, you think about if Justin – uh, Thomas and, and Jordan Spieth are that good. What do you think Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson would be? Yeah. I mean, is anyone in the world that would say, Hey, I want to play them. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd say somebody else. I'm playing bad. <laughs> I wouldn't want to play those two, you know? So, you right. know, I, it, 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 it's just, it's such a quagmire. Like we, we have no idea how this tour is all going to flush out. And, and, and it's, uh, it's a shame because I think the PGA tour was a tremendous entity. And now we, we just kind of don't know what it is. And you know what? I've said this a bunch of times, all sports better take a serious look at this because what happens if you get Patrick Mahomes and you get um, the greatest NFL guys and they go over to the American football league or, you know, what, whatever right. the new team is like, you know, if they were going to take tiger, that was all it was going to take. In my opinion, they, if they got tiger to, to sign on to live, then everyone's going to go, Oh my God, look at live. And, and so soccer, you can say the same thing. Messi went to wherever, you know I mean? Like the, the, if they, if they start scalping some of the greatest players, I think the American, any fan, not American, let alone any fan, wants to watch the best players, and and they're going to find a way. Now, Liv has deep pockets; they can do whatever they want, and um, it it could happen in any sport, in my opinion. You know what what happens? If you take Aaron Judge, and you you take all these great players from baseball, and you move them over here. Well, people still want to watch home runs, uh, so. All sports should be looking at this a little bit and saying, okay, tentacles are up here. Like, what's happening here, <laughs> in my opinion? No, then that's a great point, Eric. And, you know, that, that's something that we've brought up on this show. But to your point, if the public investment fund decided they wanted to have, I mean, you, you, come, you come over to this country, obviously the NFL is king. You want to start your own football league. Maybe you, maybe you buy out uh, an XFL or the, the USFL. And it's, you know, both of those have been reincarnated the last couple of years. And, and all of a sudden you go to a, a Pat Mahomes and you say, you know, Hey, I know you signed for, and I don't know what his contract is, 450 million, whatever it is. Yeah. Hey, we'll, Hey, yeah. we'll give you eight, 800 million to come over here, you know, and you start to pill for some of these players, just like they did off the PGA tour. You get, 
you know, 48 of the, you know, NFL players to come now play in the USFL. It's kind of like we're going back to the eighties when they started out the USFL. But anyway, yeah, you got to start to wonder, right. It's not like, look, they they haven't just invested in golf, right. They've invested to your point in, in soccer and formula one and, you know, lots of other places. What's to stop them? It's every sport. It's every sport. I don't care if it's baseball. I don't care if it's racing, NASCAR. I don't care what it is. You say, hey, you know, I got Dale Earnhardt Jr. and all these great racers. Well, people are going to wait a minute. I want to watch this. And again, I say this, and I'm a fan too. I don't care if if a guy wins the Masters. I don't care if he wins four million or one point five. We know that winning the Masters. Or a major is about twenty to fifty million in endorsements throughout your career. You're set. You're done. No fan cares what you win. You want a green jacket. It, 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 it it's meaningless. This money. Now, if someone has deep pockets, they say, "I'm throwing everything I got at this, and I have oil money, and I can." It doesn't matter. They're printing it, and they don't care about the money. So. What did they do? They blasted the PGA Tour, and it only took them, what, 12, 16 months? You, you can argue the timeline, but it only took them 12 or 16 months, and, and they, they, they overtook it. So there are some serious, serious questions about sports and money and where it comes from. And, you know, so now all these guys, and to your point, Chris, you are spot on. You're going to find them for what? Doing what you're doing now? <laughs> total hypocrisy right. it's it, 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 it's crazy so phil's the smartest guy in the room god bless him he's a dodgeball savant he plays up here he waxes these kids all over the place at yc in the in the winter and i mean when i tell you he's a dodgeball savant he's a, he's crazy good like him and ping pong and these like Ryder cup things. He beats everybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, it's awesome. And he, he is a wonderful human. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm only rooting for Phil. Uh, he's just a, he's just a wonderful guy. Um, did he say it perfect? No, but is he a wonderful human? Yeah, he is. And you know, we, he gets, there was that thing. He gets trashed more than anybody on the tour. God bless him. He was right. You know yeah. I mean? He looks like the smartest guy in the room. And and now the tour's in shambles. We have no idea what's going to happen. So, anyways. Yep. Eric, a couple more before I let you go, and I got to get a playing lesson from you. So, when, yes, we're, when we're in between clubs, particularly with our wedges, maybe we're in between a gap wedge and a pitching wedge or a sand wedge and the gap wedge, how do you teach your students how to hit that in-between shot? I always go with more clubs. I always go with more club and I always tone the speed down. Um, the harder you swing, the more out of balance we, we become, the higher the loft goes, the higher the spin goes. I'm a huge believer in if I'm 123 and that's right in between my wedge and a nine, I'm hitting a nine and I'm hitting a little knockdown. It's just easier. You know, um, I, I teach this all the time. And we have so many new interns. We have all these new professionals here at YC. And I always tell them, listen, everything starts with solid contact. You have to start with solid. Then you go with the start line and ultimately did it curve to the target. And that's where I start. 
If it's not solid, if you're over swinging in a wedge, you're out of posture, you're out of speed, you're, you're, you're up and out of it. It, it, it goes too high and it comes up short almost a hundred percent of the time. So I'm a huge fan of taking the little bigger club and, and toning the swing down a little bit, staying a little more on the ground, flighting it down a little bit. To me, that's, that's the best advice. Always take the, the one that you're going to hit a little further. And Eric, you've been mentioning tonight, YC Yellowstone club there in Montana, just you're outside of Bozeman. Um, for those folks that aren't familiar with golf in Montana and certainly maybe not familiar at all with Yellowstone club, talk about what it's like up there. Oh, Chris, I, I have, I'm a Mississippi state kid. I have no adjectives to explain this. Uh, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, Mr. Weiskopf gave us a slice of heaven. Um, I told uh, Mr. Weiskopf, I said, you know, before he unfortunately passed this past year, I I said, hey, uh, you know, Loch Lomond was, you know, one of my favorite places in the world, and and so is YC because of its beauty. And he said, ah, nature did that. And I said, "Ah, I don't know about that. Jack would have bulldozed it into submission. (laughs) He got a belly (laughs) clap. Those two were a little bit... They're a little bit oil and water, but uh, um, the Yellowstone Club is a it's the only private golf and ski community in the world, uh, right off Big Sky, uh, uh, right off Lone Peak, and uh, it's amazing. We've got some amazing members. Um, I'm absolutely honored to be here. Um, Monty Hansen, who was the senior vice president, who is the senior vice president of operations here now. And Hans Williamson is the uh, general manager of uh, YC. They called me in 2020 and said, hey, would you like to come out? And I said, you better believe it. And so I spend my summers out here um, trying to talk my wife <laughs> into being here year-round. And uh, that, is, uh, that is a chore. And uh, <laughs> she's embedded like a tick into Pittsburgh. But I'm trying to work her out, but um, we're, we're working on it. It's just an amazing place. I uh, the members are they're phenomenal. They're welcoming. It's uh, it's a it's a special spot on this earth that God gave us, and uh, and I'm just I'm just honored to be here. It's so different, you know, Chris. You know this. I was at Oakmont for 17 years of my career, and it's so different. It's uh, you know mountainous. These beautiful views every day. I you know, look up at, at Lone Peak and there's still snow on the mountain and um, I see elk and bear and uh, grizzlies. And I've seen a wolf. Uh, you, you, the, the, the wildlife, it's just this incredible, um, you know, nature and, and humanity coming together and in a mountain setting. And, and Mr. Weisskopf, just, he was a sweetheart. He really was a, as a heck of a human. And, uh, I know he was tough in his earlier part of his career, but he was so generous of his time and giving, um, and what he did here is, is phenomenal. He should have been in the world golf hall of fame way before his passing. And, and I, I will be a staunch advocate of that, but I'm glad they finally got it right. So I got to ask you, I mean, being down here in, in, in Atlanta and the playing golf in the Southeast, if I had a golf ball near a pond, obviously we're looking to see if there's a gator anywhere in sight because 
you know, if, if there is, that's, that's, that's your golf ball now. And now I'm just going to take my drop over here and, and, and continue on. I'm not sure how I would feel if, if I was uh, going to look for my golf ball and all of a sudden there was a grizzly bear in sight. How do you deal with that? <laughs> we have bear spray in every cart and uh, we, <laughs> you know, no one really has to use it. Uh, we keep buying it every year, but you know, a bear, uh, I, I've seen bear on the range. I've seen him run across one. Uh, I've seen him all over. Uh, we had a grizzly bear walk across 13 the other day. Uh, a member was in a hot tub, right off 14 tee box. And, uh, he looked down and this black or grizzly walked right, right up to his house, kind of looked up at him like, Hey, how's it going? And, and then <laughs> moved on. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, uh, it was a Cacabo's house and, uh, the video is so cool. He's in a thought that he looked up. Oh my God, this black bear or grizzly. And, uh, uh, it was awesome. But, uh, unfortunately, I haven't had to spray the bear spray, but my first year, uh, I was out with some new prospective members and I hear this and I knew exactly what it was. And it was a bear spray and a little girl, uh, in the cart, she was like, well, I wanted to see how it worked. And I, and I, she sprayed it. I heard it. I turned around and the, this bear spray like was in this cloud coming right at me and it hit me and it was, it's so awful. <laughs> and, and I tasted it for about a week and I'm like, yeah, we, we don't spray We don't want to spray that again. You know, like, it, it goes, you know, you don't have to worry about spraying it, but uh, fortunately no bears, but it, that bear spray is terrible. It's awful. <laughs> no doubt. Eric, I know yeah. you're not on social media, so there's not a way for, for our listeners really to, to follow you there, but how can we uh, stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and certainly what's going on up there at Yellowstone club. So my man, I've been promising you for years. Yes, you <laughs> have. Gonna get back. <laughs> and, and so I, I posted something on Facebook the other day. It was, uh, it was a couple golf magazine articles. I did one, uh, uh, pitching, you know, get rid of the angle early in January, February issue. And, uh, June I did, uh, find your curve. You know, I, I, I never argue with these, uh, fools on the internet. Um, they, they want to argue everything. And there's no such thing as a straight shot. In my opinion, that if you look at the golf, you know, channel in your TV and it's this curve and it always has a bunch of numbers. It never says zero. So, uh, and I learned that from Jim Flick years ago. He was teaching uh, Tom. Uh, 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 he was teaching Tom, and he had Jack, Mister Nicholas, obviously, and uh, Tom Lehman. Tom hit a big hook. Jack hit a big, you know, little little tiny high cut. And uh, I said, "What are you working on?" He's like, "Same thing." And I said, "Coach, that's there's no way." And he said, Mr. Johnson, are you calling me a liar? And it was the first time he ever called me other than Mr. Eric. He called everybody by their, you would be, you know, Mr. Chris, I'd be Mr. Eric. And he said, are you calling me a liar? I said, no, I just don't know how you can work on the same thing. And he said, well, we're talking about not crossing the line. And I knew exactly what we were talking about. Draw wants to start to the right, come back in. Fade wants to start to the left, come back in, not cross the line. Um, but I did post that on, uh, uh, on Facebook the other day. And my boy, Patrick Kane used to do all that for me, but I'm going to get on it. I, I keep saying that, but I promise ericjohnsongolf.com, my website needs updated, but, uh, Facebook, all that Twitter. And I promise I'm going to start doing more stuff. LinkedIn too. It's Eric Johnson golf. So 
But Chris, I, I can't thank you enough for having me. And it's always so fun to talk to someone as knowledgeable as you. So thank you very much for everything. I appreciate you, Eric. And it's always fun getting to spend time with you. You always make the segment so much fun every time you've joined me. I can't thank you enough for having been on the show 17 times now. And, and I'm already looking forward to number 18. You're the best, my friend. I hope we get the privilege of catching up with you again soon. Well, hey, that Rob got me. He had some great lines, but he's 18. Now, don't forget about me down here in Bozeman, Montana. I told you, I'm wearing the black hat. Don't forget about me out All right? <laughs> I will never do that. And I'll tell you what, you talk about trying to get your wife out there. I've been trying to get my wife to say, you know, hey, when when it's time for us to to retire, I want to retire to Montana. She She's not uh, she's not budging on that, but that's, that's where exactly where I want to end up, my friend. Well, you live out here with me. We'll send those girls together and we'll be good. <laughs> there you go. I like the way you think. Uh, I'm kidding. I love my wife. Hannah, if you're listening, because I'm just kidding, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, you're the best, my friend. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Right back. Yeah, I love you, man. All the best. Thanks. See that is the great Eric Johnson. Again, his website, ericjohnsongolf.com, and he does need to go out there and update it. Um, and Eric Johnson Golf on Instagram and Twitter. Hopefully we get a little more from Eric this year on social media. But Eric is just one of the great human beings that uh, I've had the privilege of meeting doing this show. Again, there's a reason why he has been a Golf Magazine Top 100 instructor every year since 2011. He's a fantastic teacher of the game. Again, he's won awards for his teaching. And on top of that, he is a 10 times better person and he is a teacher and he's one of the best teachers on the planet. So there you get a little taste of how wonderful Eric Johnson is. Like I say, going all the way back to season one of this show, Eric has been a mainstay. I can't thank him enough for the 17 times he's been a part of it. I'm already looking forward to number 18. And um, again, my sincere thanks to him for uh, everything he has meant to me over the course of the 10 years I've been doing this show a great friend, a great mentor, and a great instructor. And I mean it sincerely. Can't wait to catch up with him again soon.